You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. My name is Sandy, and I will be reading from Revelations 3, 14 through 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I'm prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The word of God. You may be seated. Thanks, Sandy. Well, uh, normally I'm the one who's coming up here to well, most often anyway, coming up here to share God's word with you today. But I have an awesome treat to get to share with you, uh, and that is to share one of my good friends with you. Uh, I used to serve as a pastor in Tacoma at a church called Resurrection Church. Many of you guys know that. Came up here now almost four years ago to pastor here. Uh, And actually last Sunday, I was sent down to Resurrection Church to go preach the word. uh, And and this Sunday, they've sent us a pastor to come and preach the word. And so we're just doing this series together called Advent with Friends. And uh, I, I want to just welcome, would you guys give a warm welcome to my friend Pete? He's, he's a pastor at Resurrection Church. Now, Pete and I, it, it's easy to say this is my friend uh, as, as someone comes up here who I know and I, I you know, do ministry with. But this guy is genuinely a friend and just a sweet person, such an amazing person. He was actually, he and his wife were our community group leaders when we were in uh, at Resurrection Church. So we used to share a meal together every week and just got to know them really well and enjoy them. Uh, he was a part of our elder process, so now he's an elder there. So that's also really exciting. Uh, but we also ran a homebrewing co-op together. Uh, and that was super fun. And so we would brew beer together and talk about theology and talk about Jesus and Man, it was just such a joy. So I'm really grateful for you coming here, and thank you for being here, and God bless you as you share the word with us, brother. Thanks, Joel. 
Awesome. Well, I am really excited to be here as well. Um, I'll get to emotional words about you, Joel, in a little bit. <laughs> the first reason I'm excited to be here is I'm actually a foodie. And so anytime I come up north to Seattle, uh, it's just really exciting because all Seattle has to offer. You know, Tacoma's up and coming. We got some good spots, but it's just not the same as Seattle cuisine. So I'm excited to go out to lunch afterwards up here. Uh, but more importantly, I'm really excited to be here with you because I am excited to be with the people that Joel Brown loves and serves. Uh, Joel was a men and is a mentor to me, someone who always gave his time and his ear to me. Um, as a young married man who is still figuring out how to be a positive witness, for Jesus Christ in our current context, Joel was an example and a guide for me. And so more than just being a mentor, Joel is a friend, uh, and he stole what I was going to say, as good friends often do, and I just love that he was the type of friend that I could brew beer with, a nice old Belgian style, and then talk about the beauty of God with. Um, we all need friends like that in our lives. <laughs> and so I really am excited to be with you this morning, Trinity West Seattle. I'm excited to open God's word with you. And ultimately, I'm excited to have God speak to us and have his Holy Spirit prompt and move us more towards his son, Jesus Christ. And so we are in our Advent season, and we are in this sermon series called Make Room. And each week through this series, we're looking at a different aspect of how we need to prepare for Christ's second coming, his second Advent, his second arrival, right? Advent just means coming or arrival. And last week, you heard Pastor David talk about making room for Christ's glory in Revelation 1 when Jesus Christ reveals himself. And today, we're going to be talking about making room for Christ's presence in our lives. And we'll be doing that through the scripture that was read, Revelations 3, 14 through 22. So go ahead and turn there, um, or you can look for it on your device. And while you're doing that, I'll go ahead and pray for our time together. Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We pray that you would enliven our hearts and our minds to see Jesus for who he is the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, God who came down and became man so that we might have life in you. Father, we just pray that you would be with us, that you would be present with us now. You are present with us, and we are so thankful for that. We just pray that you would draw us closer and closer into your life through your word, through your son, through your spirit. It's in your name we pray, amen. So who you are with really affects your mood, doesn't it? You know, if I'm hanging out with my wife on a date, I'm fun and relaxed. This is great. You know, I'm just enjoying life. If I am at a Super Bowl party watching the game with my friends, I'm a little bit more excited and outgoing and a little bit more charged up maybe. But I tell you, if I'm sitting in the doctor's office, I am the most uncomfortable and on-edge patient you probably can find. Uh, and I tell you, it's not because of the 90s decor and the weird health magazines on the table. Uh, no, it's because I have white coat syndrome. So every time I get a physical, my blood pressure is a little bit higher than it's supposed to be. Uh, and it's actually not because I'm unhealthy, okay? And I know this because my wife is a nurse and she can take my blood pressure as well. So when my wife takes my blood pressure, 120 over 80. I'm like solid, it's great. I go into the office and the doctor does it or the nurse at the doctor's office does it, 135 over 90, every single time, every single time. Um, if they took my blood pressure at the dentist, 
Same exact result, right? The presence of a doctor or a dentist in my life puts me on edge. Uh, and I'm not alone. 30% of you have the same exact response according to Harvard. Harvard did a study. They told me that 30% of you also have white coat syndrome, so I'm not alone. Why? Why are we on edge around doctors? Because the presence of a doctor normally makes you fear the issues you might have. But that's not really the doctor's fault. You know, the doctor, they discover the issues you might have, but they are not to blame for your health issues. They're just there to help and heal if they can. And I think the same thing that happens with doctors and white coat syndromes for some of us happens with how we view Jesus a lot. We as humans have problems and issues. We call it sin. And Jesus is like our good doctor. The early church actually called him the great physician. And sometimes our mood around Jesus is marked more by fear, guilt, anxiety, instead of feeling hope, love, and peace. We feel on edge. But every human has issues. And ultimately, Jesus' presence in our life is meant to transform us. If he points out issues, it's for our good, for our growth, and for our health. And so in today's text, in Revelations 3, we're going to see Jesus acting like a good doctor. He is going to point out issues uh, in people's lives, in the church of Laodicea's life. But in this passage, we're going to see that the healing and hope he offers should make us run to him and run to his presence, not be afraid, anxious, and on edge. We should want to be in our Savior's presence. So with that, let's jump in. So quick background, the book of Revelation is all about Jesus. Jesus is being revealed. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ as God, as the Alpha and Omega, as the one who created all things and the one who will recreate our fallen world once and for all. And so last week, you heard about John's initial vision of Jesus um, from Pastor David. And now, that glorious Jesus who's been revealed to John is going to speak. And he speaks to John to write down seven letters to seven churches in chapters two and three. And so in these letters to the seven churches, he is encouraging the churches in the middle of the persecution they are facing from the Roman Empire. And Jesus tells them in these uh, letters what they're doing well, and he also kind of tells them ways they can grow, issues that they can work on. And today, we're going to be going over the last of those seven letters, the, the letter to the church of Laodicea. And this letter is unique. It is the only letter of the seven with no positive encouragement at all. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy, <laughs> happy Advent. Um, but in, in this letter, the entire letter is Jesus addressing the Laodicean church's problems and ultimately urging them to change. This is a dire diagnosis. And so with that, let's jump in. Okay, what is the problem with the Laodicean church? Let's look at verses 15 and 16. This is Jesus speaking. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And so Jesus tells them their problem very directly. You are a lukewarm church. You're not hot. You're not cold. 
You're right in the middle. Uh, But this statement that Jesus is making is way deeper than maybe it looks to us. So a little background about Laodicea. Laodicea was a very, very rich city. They had a lot of resources. They were a textile center. They had natural resources. They were built on a crossroads in the Roman Empire. So they became a banking and a trading center, like where the market was. So how New York has the stock exchange, that's what Laodicea was. They're very, very affluent. For all their rich wealth, they did not have a water source. No, No river went through their city. And so they depended on aqueducts. And I think we have a picture, yeah. Aqueducts, which were the OG water pipes uh, that would go from city to city from neighboring towns. And so Colossae, to the south of them, had cold spring water that would go to them. And then Hierapolis, to the north, had hot spring water that would come down. Hot spring water in the ancient world in Hierapolis represented healing and bathing. um, And cold water, obviously, was refreshing to drink. The problem is, as the hot water from the springs and the cold water from Colossae finally got to Laodicea, it was not hot or cold anymore. It was lukewarm. And on top of that, because it's going through those really nasty pipes you just saw, it had dirt, clay, and sediment and soot kind of in the water. And so the Laodiceans had to drink and bathe in this lukewarm water with sediment. So it's not very enjoyable if you think about it. Now, this illustration, or if we hear this, it doesn't really hit home with us as modern Americans because we have access to clean drinking water. We don't actually think about this very much. I can go to a faucet and get clean, drinkable, hot or cold water on demand whenever I want. And so it's hard for us to imagine only being able to drink lukewarm water. The closest thing I could think of uh, is getting into your car on a hot summer day and like, you've just like gone for a run or you've done like a physical activity and you didn't bring water, but then you go to your car and you're like, I see this water bottle that I know has water in it that's been baking in the car. And I'm really thirsty. You're not thinking straight. And so you open it, you take a sip and you're like, why did I just do this? And you want to spit it out? That's the type of feeling Jesus is saying he has. Like, I want this cold water to satisfy my thirst, and I know the water is not what it's supposed to be. Jesus is telling the Laodicean church, you're not what you're supposed to be. You're not hot water for bathing and healing. You're not cold water for drinking. You're just plain lukewarm water that's not good or useful for anything. And so that's the point of the illustration And every Laodicean hearing that would have known it. They would have known that's what Jesus is saying. So the problem is they're lukewarm. Well, why are they lukewarm? Why is Jesus calling them lukewarm? Look in verse 17. Jesus tells us why. He says, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Jesus gives one very simple reason why they are lukewarm. Because you are an affluent, wealthy community and you don't think you need me. And when you don't think you need God, it generally leads to an apathy or an atrophy in your faith. And so what we see happening in the Laodicean church is the material wealth the church is enjoying is leading to a spiritual poverty in their soul. They have much in their bank accounts but lack a growing, robust faith in Jesus. They have designer clothes but are spiritually naked. They have medicine that heals but they are spiritually blind. 
They are storing up for themselves treasures here on earth rather than in heaven. And this temptation has always existed and it still exists to this day. It's always a temptation to be so cared for by your work, your economy, your wealth, that you start to focus on your kingdom to the detriment of Jesus' kingdom and presence in your life. This is why Jesus taught so much about seeking the kingdom first, to make him the primary goal of your life. The Laodicean church here is choosing their kingdom over Christ's kingdom, and they are seeking earthly presence instead of Christ's presence. And here's the twist. It gets even worse. It's not just that the church was being greedy, materialistic, and self-reliant. The Laodicean church was actually having to betray Jesus in order to grow their wealth. You're saying, man, I didn't think this sermon could get any more uh, depressing. Now we're going to talk about how the Laodicean church was betraying Jesus. Let me explain. So at the time of Revelation that was being written, the emperor was most likely Domitian. And Domitian's unique because he actually, most emperors would declare that they were a god or be called a god after they died. Domitian says, no, I'm a god now. And so he demanded across the Roman Empire, anyone who does business in a Roman market, a Roman banking system, anything like that, they're going to have to kneel to me and to my statue before they do business. You couldn't buy or sell goods unless you bent the knee in worship. And so obviously what ended up happening is this is why Christians were such a target in Domitian's reign is because he wanted them to bend the knee and they wouldn't. But a lot of commentators believe that the Laodicean church, if they are wealthy and affluent, most likely gave in during this time. They most likely bent the knee so that they could keep their wealth. They could clothe themselves, sell their goods, use the banks, and even buy medicine. So they bent the knee to another god. The Laodiceans were also spiritual hypocrites. They praised Jesus as the one and true king on Sunday, and then they would go to the market and bend the knee to Caesar on Monday. Ultimately, this is what Jesus is calling out. You worship me, but then you worship another. And so that's why Jesus wants to spit them out and they leave a bad taste in his mouth. He wants them to pick a side. Hey, follow me or don't. Just don't be in this middle place. I want you to be hot or be cold, but just don't be lukewarm. Be passionate, but please don't be apathetic about me if I'm really who I say I am. Jesus does not want a lukewarm church. He, wants, he does not want followers who flip-flop. He ultimately wants our devotion and he wants us to be passionate followers who put him in the center of our lives, where everything in our life is around him. And so how do we do that? Or how, how does the Laodicean church do that? How do we avoid being apathetic and lukewarm, and how do we put Jesus at the center of our life? Look at what Jesus encourages them to do in verses 18 and 19. It says, I counsel you to buy gold from me, gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes that you may see. In this statement, Jesus is very simply just saying, come to me. Come to me, church. Be in my presence. Rely on me. Be dependent on me. The same way you go to markets, the market to buy goods, come to me. Look at the three things Jesus tells the Laodiceans to do. Buy gold from me, purchase white clothes from me, and buy medicine from me. The three things 
that he's telling them to do match their spiritual needs. The church Jesus described is poor, naked, and blind. And so Jesus is saying, if you come into my presence, if you come to me, I will give you gold, I will clothe you, and I will give you medicine or salve for your eyes. Ultimately, Jesus wants to care for them in a way the market never could. He wants to care for them in a way Caesar never could. And you see, this is, this is the rub of, of us as being Christians in this world as we're awaiting Christ's arrival. The market and Caesar can only care for you materially during this life. That's it. The market can give you gold, can give you retirement, it can give you cool clothes, even medicine and anti-aging creams. And none of this is bad in and of itself. But all of those things will fade. Human gold will eventually become worthless. Currencies already fail. Any Bitcoin investors in here? Um, Too soon? Maybe I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) Clothes get ripped. Or as Jesus said in the Gospels, moths eat at them. Medicine can help for a little bit. Surgery can fix some things. I have a new ACL with donated tissue, and it helped for a little bit. That's not going to save me. But you and I, we are still going to die someday. The market can take care of us on this side of heaven, but it cannot take care of us in eternity. Jesus wants to see, wants us to see, that only he can truly care for us what goes beyond this life. His love goes beyond the grave. He has eternal riches, garments of white that never fade or rip, and medicine that completely heals us if we only come to him, admit our need. And so the antidote for being lukewarm, the antidote for being hypocritical in our faith, the antidote for only worshiping Jesus on Sunday is to actually go to Jesus and rely on him daily. It's always been about having a relationship and letting his presence be in our life. We need to be in Christ's presence, right? The same way you rely on a bank for your finances or you go to the store for your clothes or you go to a doctor for medicine, that same way Jesus is saying, come to me for your spiritual health. You need to come to me. And so practically, what does this look like? What does it look like to come to Jesus and be in his presence? How do we seek his presence in our life? Well, look at what verse 19, Jesus tells us. To those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. So this church that is lukewarm, apathetic in their faith, they think that they have everything that they need, they're betraying Jesus, he tells them, I I still love you, I love you. And I'm saying this to you because I love you. Be zealous and repent. So we rely on Jesus and make room for his presence in his life when we repent. Repentance is ultimately admitting our wrongs, our need for a savior. And this is the important part. It is 180 turn and is returning back to Jesus over and over again. Repentance is not something that is to be a one-time occurrence when we first come to Jesus. No, it's supposed to be our daily life as a Christian as we grow to become more like him. Martin Luther put it this way, when our master Jesus said repent, he intended the entire life of believers should be repentance. At the end of his life, his last words were, beggars we are, we need Jesus. 
Repentance pushes us towards Christ's presence. If sin is us running from God's presence in our life, repentance is us running back to Christ's presence over and over again. Because ultimately, when we see our need for Jesus, it creates in us this constant desire to run back to him. As Jesus told us in the parable of the forgiven debtors, those forgiven much love much. Our need for Jesus ultimately connects to our passion and our love for him. And that's why repentance is paired with what here? Zeal. When you repent and experience Jesus' presence and grace in your life, it gets you excited. It overwhelms you and fills you with joy. That word zealous means that you are excited, fervent, fervent, or red hot. And it's a word, and this is one of the coolest things about this passage. The word zealous actually gets its uh, meaning from a, a picture or an image. And the word zealous in the Greek is connected to the sound of boiling water. To be zealous is to be boiling over hot. Isn't it amazing that Jesus says to the Laodicean church that's lukewarm, repent and come back to me and then you'll be the hot water you were made for. I love that imagery. And ultimately, I think we tend to view repentance as something we drag ourselves to, something we dread, kind of like the doctor's or the dentist's office. We fear it, we ignore it, but here Jesus is telling us, do not dread repentance. Don't fear it or ignore it. Repent and be zealous. Come back to me. And that's all Jesus wants. He wants the Laodicean church back. And so when we sin or are hypocritical in our faith, he just wants us back. That's the beauty of Christ's presence. He never removes his presence. He always wants to be with us. And there's nothing we can do that can make him leave. And Jesus tells us this exact truth in the next verse. Look at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Now, this verse is so often used in evangel evangelistic contexts of like, hey, Jesus is at the do door knocking. Um, and it can be used that way. Jesus is always, he always wants to be present in people's lives. He, he wants to be a part of every human life. He made us and he wants us to be in relationship with him. But this verse is specifically written to Christians who believe, but they weren't acting on that belief. Christians who worshiped Jesus in song but rejected him during the week. Christians who weren't being transformed by Jesus but rather by Caesar and the market. These are Christians who were betraying Jesus. They are traitors and they're trying to serve two masters. And Jesus is telling them, Jesus is telling the Laodicean church, I am at the, heart, I'm at the door of your heart knocking. I have not left. I am here I'm always present and waiting for you. We need not fear repentance. If this is Jesus' message to the Laodicean church, we need not fear repentance. We need not fear Christ's presence as long as we have a posture of humility and keep returning to him. Now, that's the beauty of Christ's presence. He never removes it from us. The only thing that removes us from his presence is when we shut the door and when we become self-reliant, and when we think we can live our life without him. 
And the result is that we will become like Laodicea. We will become spiritually poor and naked and sick. But through it all, through all of that, even if we do end up acting like the Laodicean church, Jesus stays. He stays with us. He's at the door knocking. He wants to care for you. He wants to clothe you. He wants to heal you. He wants to literally just sit with you and be in your presence. Jesus wants to enter into your presence. He wants to eat with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants to disciple you as a friend and as a good master. The same way Jesus ate every meal with his disciples, he's asking, let me eat every meal with you. Don't do life on your own. Let me be present with you. Let me teach you. Let me transform you. My presence in your life is not a once a week meal. It's everyday life, morning, noonday, evening. When you wake up, when you lay, lay down, I want to be present with you and I am present with you. Open the door. And this, this is the great cosmic story of the gospel. This has always been God's posture towards his creation that betrayed him and left him, right? The gospel is God being present with us. Jesus as the very son of God who's in the perfect presence of the Father and the Spirit leaves his throne in heaven to enter humanity's presence to be with us. Jesus is given the name Emmanuel, God with us. John 1 says that the word became flesh and dwelt, lived among us. The great physician took on a body himself. And the first advent, Christmas, reminds us that Jesus became man to be present in our lives. But when God came to us, we did not have any room in the inn, and we had no room in our hearts. And ultimately, we rejected him, we abused him, we betrayed him, and we crucified him. And the God-man hung on a tree and experienced what it means to be alone. He was removed from God's presence. The Father turns his face away. But why did Jesus do that? Why does Jesus allow himself to be removed from the Father's presence and feel the weight of loneliness? It's because ultimately, he never wants you to be alone. He will never leave you or forsake you is the promise of scripture. He constantly wants to be with you in your heart. And that's why he gives us his spirit. He pours his spirit out in us so that he can actually dwell and live in us. And that is Christ's very presence in your life is the spirit in you. He is with you now. And he will be with you through all of your ups and downs in life. He will be with you He'll be with all Christians until the end of all time when he will return to judge the living and the dead. And Christ's promise to you, to me, to all of us is that if we open the door and let him rule in our hearts, if we let Christ sit on the thrones of our heart, he will then let us sit on his throne and rule with him over all of creation. Our text finishes with this promise. Look at verse 21. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Uh, when I read that, I can't help but think of the imagery in the Chronicles of Narnia, when Edmund betrays his brothers and sisters for Turkish delight and is a traitor. And Aslan comes 
when Edmund is captured by the White Witch. And Aslan comes and talks with the White Witch. And then afterwards, he talks with Edmund. And they come back to his sisters and his brothers there. And they're saying, what did he say? And in the, in the book, it says, no one knows what Aslan said to Edmund. But Aslan says to everyone else, you don't need to talk to Edmund ever again about this. And then ultimately we know the story continues. Edmund then becomes one of the kings of Narnia and gets to rule and reign over Aslan's creation. And it seems so weird that Edmund, who causes the war, Edmund, who betrays his brothers and sisters, Edmund, who betrays Narnia, who betrays Aslan and the good king, it seems so weird. He then gets to rule and reign as one of the kings, one of the, daughter, one of the sons of Adam, who gets to reign over Narnia seems so weird. I think C.S. Lewis was trying to hit home this point. That is the strange beauty of the gospel, is that all of us are traitors in our own right, and yet Christ says, come and rule and reign with me. And so ultimately, our call is the call of presence. Let Jesus in. Experience his presence daily. Run to him like you run to your table for nourishment. Buy from him like you buy from a store. Invest with him like you would invest with a bank or a stock market. Receive his healings the same way you would go to a doctor. It is of eternal importance. Make room for his presence in your life. Please, read his words. Ask him to speak. Pray, talk with him. Pray to the Father through the Son by the power of the Spirit in your life. Tell him how everything's going. Repent. Say, this is how I need you, God. This is how I'm failing. Would would you transform me? Sing his praises. Thank him for all that's good in your life. Daily, daily, daily depend on him. Be with him. Live with him. And let him transform you as the good friend and physician he is. Jesus' presence, if you go and sit with him, if you go and eat with him, It will transform you. If we do this, we will rule and reign with him forever. Make room for his presence now so that you can enjoy his presence forever. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And Lord, we repent. We, as your creatures, have fallen we fall short. We, we don't hit the mark of your goodness. Horrible things happen in this world, Lord. And ultimately, it's because people in this world don't sit in your presence as the good God you are. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would draw us closer and closer to you. Lord, please help us to open the doors of our hearts every day that we would dine with you morning, noonday, and evening, that we would let you teach us, that that we would let you talk with us, and ultimately that we would not be on edge around you, Lord, but we would run to you, that we would believe in your goodness, your truth, and your beauty. Lord, help us to purchase gold from you. Lord, clothe us. Lord, heal us. We love you, Jesus.
Be with us as we live and leave this place today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.